The world may be on fire, but there are changemakers that are even more fired up with a commitment to do some serious good. You're listening to People Making Things Better, where we interview folks who you maybe haven't heard of before, but who are having a big impact on today's issues with the environment, equality, human rights, public health, and more. We're not afraid to ask the tough questions about how they're able to do work that the world needs and still get paid for it. Listen in and get inspired because the world needs you in action too. I'm your host, Bert Westfall, and I'm joined by my co-host, Melinda Jackson. Welcome to People Making Things Better. This is your host, Bert Westfall, and it's just me again today. Melinda will be back in the studio soon. Today we have on the podcast, founder of Fin Mango, Scott Glasgow. Welcome, Scott. Hello. <laughs> Glad to have you on here. Yeah, it's such a pleasure, and um, thank you so much. Tell us what Fin Mango does in a nutshell. Who are you? What do you do? And how do you make the world a better place? So Fin Mango is a nonprofit organization that brings entrepreneurship, investment education, financial literacy, and microfinance to people around the world. We launched in 2016 with one goal, economic empowerment. And the heart of our organization is a large and growing group of volunteers that do this because we are passionate about democratizing opportunity and prosperity both in our communities and around the world. This passion has helped us grow from teaching unique investment education curriculum in Ohio to bringing financial literacy to over 15,000 people in 17 different countries and incubating dozens of new businesses. And that's what we do. (laughs) Awesome. I know that there's a lot of buzz around financial literacy and financial education. I come from a generation where that wasn't really quite happening in the schools yet, but what does that mean to you in this context? What are you helping people to be literate on specifically? Yeah, so we have two different mandates. Um, our, what we do in the United States is different than what we do internationally. Mm-hmm. In the United States specifically, we focus on investment education. Okay. And so 63% of youth in America under the age of 35 do not invest. Mm-hmm. And what we do teach a lot of times in schools has to be more like active investing, stock market game and stuff like that. And to us, that's not really that much of education compared to passive investing, the power of time, the power of compounding. Mm-hmm. So our program is more of like a retirement. We get ex- people excited about retirement investing. <laughs> and uh, so it's all about, you know, the power of compounding, the rule of 72, the power of getting the many doubles you can in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. Also understanding the educational value of understanding the fees. You know, what's a load? A load is essentially a commission. You know, also understand all the other terminology that, you know, I think the world makes it complex. And we just break that down and say, hey, it's not complex. And you can know what you're doing and feel empowered and make sure you have the right advisor or you can do it yourself. And yeah. so yeah. it's purely education. We don't sell anything. And yeah. then internationally is more on just a, more of the basics of financial literacy and also an entrepreneurship. <laughs> I feel like there is so much fear around money and um, finances and just a lot of being afraid of the unknown. And sometimes even shame creeps in. People feel like they haven't been managing their finances well. Tell us a little bit more about that. How do you help people to feel empowered instead of scared of their finances? Yeah, it's really just the power of time, the power mm-hmm. of, I mean, but also there's power of like kind of our brand, mm-hmm. which is that we have that mango and that's a symbol of light and 
you know, hey, like this is not as complicated as it needs to be. Yeah. And this is where you can be and you can do it. And we're going to do everything we can to educate you so you can get to that point. Yeah. So you said, okay, this is why we had the mango. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much the story started when I was in this grad school class called financial management and professor was just yelling, you know, financial literacy. It's the crisis of our lifetime that nobody knows about. That's how I referred to it. So I raised my hand. I asked the question, what's the solution? What are people doing to effectively solve this problem? And the professor went, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it was a th- I've three heard this hour- impression yeah. before. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was a three-hour class. And then the answer was, oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, so it's, and he's one of my mentors, absolutely amazing person. And, but anyways, uh, that really inspired me to really take action. And it, one, one of the biggest discussions in that class was about how it is such a dark topic and how people shut down when it comes right. to money. So the first part of the name actually was the nickname of that class, which was financial management's nickname was Finn Man. Mm-hmm. So that's the first part of the name. And the second part goes to that discussion in that class where, and also I experienced it just from being a recent college grad, uh, you know, all my friends and stuff just never, they didn't want to know about student loans. They didn't want to know about right. credit cards or anything that they were, you know, all this money issues that they were kind of ignoring. So I wanted something bright, colorful, energetic to break into that darkness. And what's better than a mango? <laughs> a mango. Yes. I love it. Well, I'm a big fan because I love mangoes. Okay. So you got your start or you got inspired around this idea while you were in grad school in one of your financial management courses, right? With the, yeah. <laughs> with the Yogi Bear professor or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and you started this, it's a nonprofit or is your company for profit? It is a nonprofit. Okay. Uh, 5123. Okay. And you got your start in Ohio, right? In Canton, Ohio. Is that correct? Yep. I'm Akron and Canton. Yep. Got it. And what kind of clientele were you serving there then? Was it like lower income or younger people or what inspired you about that area? I was born and raised in this area. Okay. And uh, it's just something that I feel like a lot of programs, they don't really get starts in the Midwest and the Rust Belt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, so it's kind of really humbling. Our target is high school kids. And uh, we teach over 35 different high schools. And we currently have over 8,000 high school students in the program per year, um, just in Ohio alone, even though this program's outside of Ohio now. And it's just really humbling to, you know, really give back. And we teach anywhere from inner cities and Cleveland, um, all the way to the suburbs. We teach as many high school students as we possibly can, and we're maxed out in demand right now. (laughs) Awesome. You said that you are doing international work too. How did it evolve into that? Yeah, that was um, all by accident in the very beginning. Um, Never really had any intention to do anything outside of Ohio (laughs) or doing this full time even at the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I ended up getting this email, and they found us through Instagram of an organization that's in Togo, a tiny little country in West Africa. I'll just keep it short, but they essentially looked up financial management and get this in the city called Mongo or mm, Mango. Okay. <laughs> so that's how they found us. And we've been working with those rural women now since we started, um, like a little bit over three years ago. And I don't know, just from starting with them, we built like a credibility of, you know, we don't approach it as Westerners coming in and being saviors. We approach mm-hmm. it as being 
we're behind the scenes. We don't even want the people to even know we exist. Mm, okay. um, so we, we make it like Togolese for Togolese, Brazilians for Brazilians, Ugandans for Ugandans. And that model uh, has organically grown by word of mouth. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's all been organic and feels kind of surreal looking back. You're an organic mango. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so this has been growing organically over how long now? Uh, Officially launched in our first school in November 2016. Uh, So just a little little over three years. And it feels a lot longer. Right. um, But uh, also doesn't feel that long. It's kind of (laughs) weird. So in three years, you said you have grown to full capacity in your teachings in Ohio. And you have operated or done work in how many different countries? Uh, 17 different countries. Wow. Very impressive. Now, how do you do all of this? Are you like a one person show or do you have a team? This seems like a huge undertaking. Yeah, well, we don't worry about quantity. Mm-hmm. So we do worry about quality over quantity. So it's not like we reach millions and millions of people, um, at least yet. And we also, so we rely on field partners internationally and also on amazing volunteers. Okay. Uh, so it's kind of just really amazing, I think, because we've also attracted this amazing talent of youth and just extremely passionate people that are all for financial literacy. And we've essentially given them a platform to embrace it and be part of it. Mm-hmm. So our story is we're a bunch of mangoes, mm-hmm. you know, really attacking a topic that it's considered boring and we're making it fun and yep. people are going crazy about it. And so it's, it's actually not that hard. I mean, some of the harder ones are when we're working with like government agencies and like specifically like in Uganda where there's a lot more planning and stuff that's needed for it. But Right. So you are attracting volunteers that are students that want to work there because they've gotten, they've seen, maybe the program and they are excited, they're enthusiastic about it and they want to be a part of sharing it. Is that how it happens? Yeah, that uh, it happens. We have uh, mostly university students. And I think it's because when I started FinMango, I bootstrapped it from scratch uh, with college students. And those college students are now young professionals working at Google, Apple, investment banking. And they provide mentorship for like the next round of college kids. Mm-hmm. And even though it's only been three years, it already has this like reputation of being very kind of like elite for networking and mentorship. Got it. Uh, so that organically has grown its own self to now we have 12 universities that are either in Mango clubs or they are affiliates uh, within Mango. Got it. Okay, cool. So you're the first nonprofit that we've um, spoken to on this podcast, but we'll definitely do many more because that's always a big question, you know, going into the social impact space. Do you want to do like a for good for profit or nonprofit? And um, maybe we'll ask you a little bit about that later, like how you made that decision. Um, But back to the volunteer thing, I do know, you know, sometimes that's a struggle for the nonprofits is finding enough volunteers and finding quality volunteers and making sure that they're getting a really rewarding experience that helps them on their resume or whatever. So how have you made it that amazing experience for the volunteers? So maybe others can, can replicate that if they start a nonprofit. I do everything I can to create value for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So examples of that would be 
you know, if I have an opportunity where someone funds an entire trip for me to come out first class and stay in a nice hotel, I'll instead of taking, you know, I'll take that money instead of spending that on myself, I would actually reward, you know, up to like an example, we went to San Francisco to meet with a big foundation. I rewarded six of our college mangoes um, at the time to come out with me. And I fully yeah. paid for the whole trip on an $1,800 budget. And it sounds crazy, but we stayed at a hostel and we flew in Spirit Airlines, but they loved it. And we were able to get together and it connected us more. And yeah. other examples, we have Google as like, we have like this one specific Googler that provides so much mentorship opportunities. Mm. It just kind of, you, you combine it all. We reward people with trips. We also now are paying interns and, you know, you're mixing different things and just yeah. all about giving back and, and return. Like you don't even expect anything in return, but it, it usually cycles. Yeah, totally. It's all about the value, right? I mean, we talk about that a lot from the perspective of providing, you know, exceeding expectations and providing value, obviously, for the, you know, customer or the clients, but it goes so far when you are creating a wonderful experience and providing a lot of value for your employees or your volunteers as well. And, and people want to be a part of that. And also I heard a lot about the relationship building there. It sounds like you really provide opportunities where you can really get to know each other and kind of become almost like a family kind of atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. We're literally a mango family. Mm, I love that. Family I love that. <laughs> and congrats, by the way, on being able to go to San Francisco with a group of people for $1,800. That's an impressive feat. You must know what's, what you're doing with your finances. What, <laughs> what's, even, what's even better, we were able to finish up with a, like a Michelin rated restaurant and I'm wow. still in the budget. <laughs> okay. I'm hiring you guys as my financial planner. <laughs> Well, cool. I'd love to talk to you a little bit about what went into that decision. So like when you were first, you know, you got the idea in college and you ran with the idea, what did you have to figure out first? Was it, you know, do I make this a nonprofit or for-profit? Walk me through a little bit your very first steps from idea to kind of incubation. So I've always been a big fan of really amazing nonprofits like Charity Water. Mm-hmm. And I just love their transparency and their model. But I did knew when I was first starting the Mango, it's like I might have trouble raising money for a financial literacy organization because uh, people just don't understand it or they're afraid of it. <laughs> um, so initially, actually, I originally started Finn Mango. Actually, it was supposed to be like a granola bar company. It was oh. supposed to be a for-profit, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was actually supposed to be a for-profit entity that would have like a foundation component that would, so the for-profit would, you know, okay. fund the nonprofit. Yep. And then I found out quickly, very, very quickly, that, that that business is very, like, very, very expensive to enter and very risky. And mm-hmm. I immediately, I didn't have really the funds to, you know, commit to that. So I ended up switching now, back ask you so the granola bar business would be very risky to enter or the business model where you are supporting a foundation based on your profits just to clarify which which one was risky um it was risky like pouring a bunch of money into a product that it was just hard to break into that market um you would literally have to pay a store to even rent out shelf space Mm, okay and yeah so there's a lot of expenses and and there's a very high risk of failure and I wasn't really willing to take that risk. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So any, anyways, um, I end up kind of, that's when like Finn Mango went in it's like dark period where I didn't really touch it. 
yeah. um, until November 2016. And that's when I just kind of like, you know, I just got to do this. Let's just 100% do it as a nonprofit. And I set up as like a similar model as Charity Waters model. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of, the rest was kind of like history in a way. I mean, it's, it's taken a lot of time, but. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yes. All the hidden hours, you know, that we're not talking about. So tell us a little bit. So you've brought up Charity Water a couple of times now. So what is their model for anyone listening that's not familiar with that company? Yeah. So their model is transparency, transparency, transparency. And mm-hmm. they have, a, well, specifically their model is called the 100% model. Okay. And what they do is they have private donors pretty much fund all their operations. Mm-hmm. And then they have 100% of public donations, which is people that donate on their website, go directly to the projects, um, their water projects. And I've always loved it. I was a big supporter, still am. I still donate to Charity Water. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to set up Thin Mango with a very similar process of transparency. Um, so we do a very similar model. Ours is a little bit different. We don't have that network of private donors that fund all operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had to switch more to like a business model um, in certain parts of our business of our organization to support that. Um, but we still do the 100% model with public donations. Got it. And so when you were just getting started, did you have like a couple of private donors just like in your personal network that helped you get off on your feet or how did you have enough money to take those very first few steps um i budgeted around ten thousand dollars of my own money okay so you put definitely a big um chunk down of your own money um and then you were able to kind of prove yourself a bit and and then find other donors right yeah and it's actually what i learned was Personally, what I learned from doing this is that you can't really chase money mm-hmm. um, and you really have to just create value. Mm, and when you yeah. create enough value, you just naturally attract money. Yes, that's and so it, true. It, it is 100% true. And it's like, I didn't really know that, but I learned it just from experience. It's like, I, I just knew we were going to have trouble raising money for a financial literacy organization. Right. So I just kind of kept on, you know, grinding. Let's just do amazing work. And and the next thing you know, just opportunities came up, amazing people um, from different places, mostly outside of Ohio, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, you know, stepped in and they just, you know, they supported projects and really gave us that opportunity to take it to the next stage. Mm, I love that. That's such a good kind of law of success to learn. And it comes up in a lot in different books and whether you're for profit or nonprofit or, you know, just trying to manage your own finances and change your own personal situation, that just law of value and bringing a ton of value, giving it your all. It has this way of kind of being infectious in a good way and attracting yeah. money. And it also, it also goes to ethics as well um, mm-hmm. because a lot of our, a lot of our programs, obviously when, you know, we don't, when none of our programs we sell, we never sell. So if we have a sponsor that wants to put products into our programs, we say no, uh, which is sometimes hard. We got sometimes be quite a bit of money, yeah. but it just goes back to our ethics and our values and we refuse to sell stuff. We, we only want to educate and, that's what teachers and students love about us is the fact that, you know, other people that come in usually are part of a company and they're not, they're forced to, you know, say what they're supposed to say. We're, we're literally educating, purely educating. 
Yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. So then how did you, so I imagine that was pretty tempting when people came along and wanted to sponsor and give you all this money so that they could put their brand up and have you recommend their products and everything. How did you keep to your ethics on that? Had you established core values for the organization that you were able to refer to or like, just tell me a little bit more about being able to say no to that. It really was no hesitation. It was, mm-hmm. you know, I, I created Thin Mango. I, did, I never had any intention of doing this full time. I did this to create a positive difference in the lives of others. And mm-hmm. if it's a product that I don't believe in, then there's no way it can be there. And, yeah. you know, selling stuff is not what we built this to be. And honestly, we would lose a lot. We would lose all of our support, like volunteers and everything if we started doing that. Yeah. Uh, so taking a little bit of money up front can kill us long term. It would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love it that. was tempting though. It was tempting. I mean, I mean, I said no hesitation. I did think about it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's enough money, it's like, oh, what am I doing? But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it was really no hesitation. After thinking about it, I was like, no. <laughs> right. Well, it is interesting too. Like you got to have something to lean on as far as what your core values are and also like what your bigger roadmap is, because I imagine there could be some circumstances maybe in a different organization where sponsorship could be an okay thing, but that's where really knowing the heart of your organization and what you're ultimately trying to do so that you can have that bigger picture. Like does this somebody giving me this money help us get to our goals or is it ultimately going to leave us further from our goals? And it sounds like you had a good pulse on that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's a hundred percent true as well. And, yeah, it is hard sometimes, but it's just one of those things you have to do it and mm-hmm. it's paying off for us now. Yeah, yeah. So it's the right choice. Cool. Um, so speaking of long term, what are some exciting projects that you've got cooked up? So we always try not to like overpromise, but mm-hmm. we do have a very exciting project. Uh, we It started last year with a kids program, teenagers and high school students um, in the capital of Uganda called Kampala. Okay. We financially educate them on financial topics and business. We mm-hmm. then provide them really elite mentorship and people that are from that community. So they have a lot of fire to teach them and, and also empower them with their network and then also funding so they can actually apply their education and, you know, see it succeed or fail and learn from it. That program is how we got our foot in the door in Uganda. Okay. We had a lot of support um, from within the country to do that program. And this year we're continuing that program, but it also opened up new doors. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be launching a new program um, with a refugee camp. Um, so we're partnering up with a bank and also with some other government agencies. Wow. And it, it's just a small pilot run for now. Yep. Um, but we have all the right partners, um, the financial sponsors. We have everything set up where if it, once we have it successful, we will be able, and we execute. That's the biggest key. Uh, if it's successful and we execute, yep. uh, we should be able to scale this throughout um, Uganda and awesome. with the refugees. And there are 1.7 million refugees in Uganda. Um, wow. And where are those refugees crazy. from? Uh, they're from South Sudan, um, also okay. Congo. Uh, those are the two big places. And it's just so sad because we talked to like these amazing people. And there was this one woman that's such a successful entrepreneur from Congo. She owns several businesses and you know, she lost everything and she's stuck in this camp. She has no access to credit, no access to opportunity. And this is exactly what our program is going to be meant to do. It's really create that yeah. opportunity. So, and she's already proven herself. She yeah. just needs to have the opportunity again. 
Yeah. And that's what our goal is to create, you know, change, you know, make that potential and turn it into opportunity. Or in her case, give her, you know, the, like the opportunity to do it again and get on her own two feet and hopefully hire people from the camp and get them out of the camp. And yeah. Yeah. that's the goal. It gets me in the heart. So I'm sorry for ranting. <laughs> no, I love it. Well, and what was going through my mind as you were talking was that there's this sense of empowerment. So it's not like, um, you know, obviously there's a, a time and a place for charities or nonprofits that, you know, just provide aid and, you know, that is needed and, and necessary at times. But then there's also kind of this other model um, that seems like it's appropriate here where, you know, somebody just needs a helping hand for a bit to get back on her feet. And like, this is a very capable person she just had this thing happen to her and needs a little bit of assistance. But it sounds like, you know, this person's really going to hit the ground running once she gets a, you know, back on her feet. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so that, and that's the whole goal of it, you know, really just, and there's so many people that have potential. Right. And it's, and it's kind of crazy because in, like I was saying, America, we actually have a choice. You know, if we want to be like, I have a friend that, you know, that literally lives in a van and goes surfing every day in California, but it's his choice and he loves his life. Mm -hmm. But in, you know, a lot of places we reach internationally, there is no choice. If you're, you're born poor, you're most likely going to stay like that. And so mm -hmm. it's really cool to also give opportunity for people that, you know, didn't think they had an opportunity and give them that. And you really see even kids really go at it and go yeah, after it. Yeah. Just have a little bit of opportunity. Yeah. I love that. You're speaking my language as, as a coach. I think a lot about untapped potential and things that are hiding out in people that just need some support, either emotionally or financially or physically for them to be able to really thrive and, and blossom and flourish. And people are people. And it really amazes me how much unbelievably smart and intelligent and so much potential people have in other countries. And it's just like, wow, what imagine if we can empower all these people and, you know, the whole world would be better off. And yeah. it just, it's just crazy to think about how much is out there. Totally. Yes. <laughs> well, cool. So I always like to ask some of the challenges that you faced. And I know we've already talked about a couple of life lessons that you've learned, but what are some other challenges and lessons that have come out of it? And just in the form of helpful advice for anyone listening to this podcast that is thinking about creating their own organization or business. Um, there's, I would say the challenge is it's, it comes almost every day. Um, I personally used to be afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. And in this journey of creating Fin Mango, I really embrace it. And I absolutely love failing and I fail literally every single day. Yeah. And it's honestly one of the most valuable things. It's even like, we just had this one project in Brazil. We had everything perfect to launch this beautiful project. And then we literally had our main key partner drop out for a really crazy, sad reason. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, it's just one of those things that teaches, you know, even if everything seems perfect, things can fall right down on your face. You can literally, right. you know, face plant, but you have to keep on getting back up. And you learn from those. And that case is a little bit different, but you know, most of the cases when you fail, you learn from it, and you get back up and you're better. And I don't know, it's also the, I guess some things I learned would be the fact that, and I learned this from reaching out to people that are, have been there and have done it. You know, these are people that are a little bit older and especially in my field that I reach out to just for advice and mentorship. And, one of the biggest things that I ever learned was my personal like mentor is he's a 
big guy from like a really big person in the space, but he always talked to me about know when to say no and know when to say, I don't know. Right. And honestly, that is so key. And honestly, Finn Mango shouldn't be, shouldn't be in 17 countries. We should be smaller. And that's because I said yes too much early on and then Mm. our commitment will always stick to it. Um, But it's something I've learned more now and it's so valuable. And also I don't know is so key. Like instead of trying to act like, you know, just say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a great lesson. I love that because that what a great example it is to your constituents and your yeah. volunteers to be able to be like, no, actually, I don't know that. Or we're going to find out though. <laughs> yeah. Well, we always like to ask what other issues do you wish somebody would take up and work on in the world? So for anyone listening and is feeling really inspired or called to a certain issue, maybe this will be your sign that you should go work on it. (laughs) Yeah, I think 100%, like for me, it's climate change outside of financial literacy. Um, I've seen it with effect, like example in Togo, everything was going really well with the women we've been working with. And then they had this massive drought. Yeah. Um, And it ruined, it literally ruined the entire village. Um, They lost all their plant, all their crops, everything. So I've experienced it firsthand how it relates to so many different topics. And honestly, poverty is just a big puzzle. It takes a lot of pieces to solve it. And financial literacy is a small piece in that. Climate change is a little bit bigger piece. And it's definitely a thing that has my heart. And I just don't have the time to really focus on it. But all of our programs are tailored to it. We even have kids programs where, we like in Indonesia, they actually, one of the lessons that they do is that they pick up you know, plastic waste and then they decorate it and they turn it into products and they sell it. Oh, I love um, that. It really is a true crisis. And well, I think everybody we've interviewed so far has mentioned climate change as their top issue that they want more people working on. And what's interesting about this too is everybody we have interviewed even though they're not directly working on climate change, what they are working on you know, impacts that, right? And all of these issues do tend to become interconnected. And you were talking about refugees. Well, with the climate crisis, that creates more refugees. And like you said, poverty is a complex issue with many different causes and facets of it. But we can safely say that climate change is not going to help that issue. So that's definitely one of the major pieces there. Yes, yeah. All right. Well, that was all that I had for you. Thank you so much for coming on and for um, sharing your wisdom and getting into the nitty gritty with us. Where can we follow Finn Mango or find out more about you? Yeah. So uh, for me personally, you can just look up my name, Scott Glasgow. Okay. Um, My username or I'm used like on my social media is called Mango Scott. And then uh, Finn Mango is just at Finn Mango. Um, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, So yeah, go ahead and give us a follow. Got it. And we'll put all of that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for being on, Scott. Thanks for listening. Till next time.